Welcome to the SSPX Podcast. On the SSPX Podcast, we have usually three different varieties of recordings that we make available as podcasts. The first one is recordings of sermons or lectures that are given. We'll be doing many sermons uh, upcoming during the season of Lent. During Passion Week and Holy Week, we'll be doing parish missions so that you can make a virtual parish mission, so to speak, if you can't make one at your local chapel. Like we did last year, those were very well received, and we'll be doing that again this year. The second type is interviews, interviews with various people uh, throughout the SSPX or Angelus Press. And then the third is our very popular Questions with Father series, normally hosted by Father Paul Robinson. Well, this episode is a little bit of a hybrid of the last two. So today we're speaking with Father Robinson and doing more of an interview style about Lent. We'll be talking about Ash Wednesday, where the traditions and customs of the ash and the ceremony come from. We'll be talking about Lent itself. What does Holy Mother Church want us to to do during Lent? We'll also be going backwards a little bit and talking about Septuagesima. Why does the church have this extra two and a half week period before Lent even starts? Isn't Lent already long enough? Most kids are going to be saying. And we'll talk about Shrove Tuesday. Yesterday, what is Shrove Tuesday? Why do we refer to it today as Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday? And does the church approve of these practices? All that and more is coming up very soon. We're also going to be speaking with Father Robinson a little bit later on during the season of Lent. We'll be talking about Passion Tide itself, the two weeks leading up to Easter. We'll be talking about Holy Week, and we'll be talking about the Sacred Triduum. That's what the church calls Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. So this second half of this Lent series will be coming a little bit later on during Lent. But for today, let's focus on Ash Wednesday and the beginning parts of Lent as we dive into this season. This is the SSPX Podcast, and Father Robinson, it is great to have you here. Not for an episode of Questions with Father, like we normally have you, but uh, this time for a conversation about Lent, its symbolism and its meaning and its practices. Father Robinson, how are you? Happy to be here, Andrew. Always great to talk with you as well, Father. Well, we're releasing this podcast on Ash Wednesday. You may be hearing this a day or two later, depending on when you get to the podcast. But before we dive into Lent itself and the meaning and the symbolism of these 40 days of of preparation for Easter, I'd like to take a look back at Septuagesima. So the church has given us this season or this extra period of two and a half weeks, starting Septuagesima Sunday, leading up to Ash Wednesday. What is the reason for this extra two and a half week period, this, you know, leading leading up to Easter, the 70 days before Easter? Uh, seems like Lent is already pretty long and stringent. What's the reason? Well, I think this is one of those cases, Andrew, where um, we see the richness of the history of the church and how also various uh, disciplinary practices have developed over time. So the Septuagesima season used to be part of Lent proper. In both the East and the West, there wasn't a fasting that was taking place every day of the week. Rather, they were choosing certain days to fast, and they they said um, at the beginning, "Let's let's fast for thirty six days, and we're we're only going to fast four days a week. We're only going to fast uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday." And they wanted to get up to that number of of thirty six. So if you if you fast for nine weeks, um, four days a week then you get 36 days total of, of fasting. So you would start nine weeks before Easter, and that's that's Septuagesima Sunday. In the beginning, Lent actually started on Septuagesima Sunday, and um, they were just fasting those those four days a week. They, wanted, they chose the number 36 because um, the year has about 360 days, and they wanted to give one-tenth 
of the year sort of back to God through fasting, sort of like a, a tithe. You know how in the Old Testament the, um, the people were expected to give back one-tenth of their belongings to God um, as a tithe. So this was a, a spiritual way of, of giving, giving back um, one-tenth of the year to God through the fasting. That's interesting. So when the church did settle upon the period of Lent, starting on Ash Wednesday, these 40 days, they kept the period of Septuagesima as almost kind of like a nod to the past, I guess you could say. It was, it was almost, I don't want to say a leftover, that doesn't sound right, but it was a, a period that would remain because of the tradition and sort of a leading up to period of Lent. Yeah, well, over time, uh, I suppose the practices changed, and they decided that they were going to fast for 40 days instead of 36 days. Um, there are various reasons why the, the number 40 is significant. They also decided that they were going to fast every day but Sunday. So um, there's uh, six days, so six days out of the week they would fast, so six weeks of six days of fasting makes for 36 days. And then to get to 40 days of fasting, you just add on four more days. So you start the Wednesday before the first Sunday of Lent to start fasting, and then you get up to 40 days. So that's that's how the, the 40-day fast started. And then they just they just held on to the Septuagesima season. I mean, it was, it was a tradition to have the Septuagesima season. And what they did was they, they said, this is not Lent anymore. Um, we're not going to be fasting during this time, but it is a a time like two and a half weeks for you to sort of get ready. Um, so you don't go like immediately from Christmas where you're you're celebrating, seeing Christmas carols, and so on, and then all of a sudden you know you turn your your smile upside down. You're now you're frowning and fasting and everything. But there's this sort of transitional period where you can get yourself ready uh, for the fasting. You don't just jump right from from feasting to fasting um, automatically, sort of a schizophrenic uh, liturgical year. Okay, I see. So let's move on to Lent itself. When we have uh, names of different things in the church, uh, normally there's a, a, a Latin derivation. So Septuagesima has, you know, it means 70. Um, but where does the word Lent actually come from? It's, it's a really a simple word, and I've always kind of wondered where it came from. Yeah, well, it's it's not actually uh, of Latin origin. It's it's more of um, the sort of a Saxon origin, um, and it just it just simply means spring, um, a spring season, which which goes to show how the liturgical year can be oriented towards the, the northern hemisphere. Um, um, <laughs> sure. Lent certainly doesn't occur in spring in the southern hemisphere where I live for 10 years, you know. Um, right. Um, Easter is, is happening in the, in the middle of fall, and you're, you're, you're heading into to winter, um, which, is, which is a little bit strange. But it, it just means spring, whereas if we, if we go to the, the Latin or we go to the Romance languages, um, like like French is carême, um, and that that comes from the an actual Latin word quadragesima, um, which is very, be very familiar to to our listeners because they know uh, septuagesima, sexagesima, quinquagesima. So you you're going from seventy to sixty to, to fifty to forty. So so the term for Lent that the Church uses is quadragesima, and that's rendered in French. Italian and Spanish by a, a, a word that sounds very similar to quadragesima, and that just means 40 days. And, you know, we touched on this a little bit before, uh, talking about the 36 days symbolizing one-tenth of the year, one-tenth of the 365, you know, days or so. But when the church changed the Lenten period to 40 days, 
there's some symbolism there. 40 pops up in the Bible and in uh, the New Testament time and time again. And so uh, was that the reason it was uh, more of a symbolism? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, if we look in the Old Testament, we see that the number 40 is is very significant. Um, it's off, often a number of completeness or, or totality, um, a certain perfection with the number 40. But there are definite historical instances where that took place in 40 days. Um, for instance, the flood of, of Noah, chastisement from, from God, obviously. The uh, fast of, of the greatest figures of the Old Testament was, was 40 days and 40 nights of, of Moses and Elias. And our, our Lord is sort of the fulfillment of, of the uh, old law. And so when he comes, he also fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And then when he's transfigured on Mount Tabor, um, there appear with him Moses and Elias, and they're talking about his passion. So this association, our Lord wanting to associate himself with the law represented by Moses and the prophets represented by Elias on Mount Tabor, and them speaking about his passion really indicates him wanting to link up with with their ascetical practices, besides the fact that, that he also did 40 days of fasting. So so it's not just that, that we want to um, practice penance, but we want to imitate our Lord. We want to be like these great figures, uh, the, the, the Old Testament prophets, um, and Moses and Elias, and we want to imitate our Lord and, and unite ourselves with, our, with his passion uh, during the period of Lent. Interesting. Okay. So going back to the practice of Lent itself, uh, I know growing up, it was always... A kind of a dreaded period where uh, mom and dad made you give up your sweets and, and you know, any desserts and extra snacks that you had. Um, but I'm sure that there are other practices about Lent um, during the period of Lent that the church prescribes other than kids giving up their sweets or adults not having a snack. Uh, what are the specific practices that Holy Mother Church uh, really wants us to be doing during this period of Lent? Traditionally, there there are three different practices um, during Lent, and these really match up with the three vows of religion, poverty, chastity, and obedience. So those those three vows are presented by our Lord as the path of perfection. So we, we want to grow in holiness during Lent. And um, yet at the same time, we're, you know, the vast majority of people are, are not religious, um, but there, there are practices that they can do to approximate those vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, so as, as far as Poverty goes, it's, it's been traditional during Lent to, to do some almsgiving, to get rid of some of your external possessions for the glory of God, and, and therefore detach yourself from those possessions. Obviously, the fasting corresponds to the vow of, of chastity. Uh, we, we mortify our flesh during the period of, of Lent. And then corresponding to the vow of obedience or submission would be prayer. So we were, we're meant to pray a bit more during the time of Lent, um, really assert our submission to God um, and our correspondence to His divine providence by taking extra time, sort of uh, giving more of our time to spiritual exercises. So those are the three traditional practices of, of Lent that, that the Church invites all lay people to engage in, uh, prayer, uh, corresponding to the vow of obedience, fasting corresponding to the vow, vow of chastity, and almsgiving corresponding to the vow of poverty. A quick break to say thank you to those of you who have supported the SSPX podcast already. We've had some people who have become ongoing 
donors, ongoing supporters of the SSPX podcast. Some people have just donated $5 a month, $10 a month. Well, if that's something that you're willing to do, you can head on over to sspx.gifts, that's G-I-F-T-S, find SSPX podcast, and you can just sign up for a quick $5 or $10 donation or more if you would like to. You can also do one-time donations as well. It doesn't have to be a monthly donation. We do appreciate all the support that we've already been getting. Thanks to some of the early donors. Just a couple weeks ago, we were able to increase our hosting speed and bandwidth. That means all of the episodes, every single episode of the SSPX podcast is now available for anyone to be able to discover. You've played a huge part in that apostolate. Thank you for helping to spread the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Remember, if you aren't able to donate right now, you can still help just by rating the podcast, giving it a five-star rating in whatever podcast app or program you're listening to, whether it's Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or any of those other ones. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your help. And let's get back to our conversation with Father Robinson. And as Catholics know who studied the liturgy and throughout history, uh, the church does not do anything in, in half measures. So we have this period of Lent and the faithful can see that the priest is wearing a different color. So that's the obvious one. There's uh, the priest wearing the the purple, the violet vestments. Um, But what are some of the other practices? What are some of the other traditions and symbols that the church puts forth, or maybe some of the other disciplines that the church puts forth when it comes to the season of Lent? Are there other things that we may not be totally familiar with right away, Father? Holy Mother Church, she understands our human nature, um, that we're, we're made of both body and soul. We're not sort of disincarnated spirits. And so she tries to help us get in the dispositions of Lent, um, uniting ourselves with the passion and and the time of mourning and so on, by changing what we see in the church. Um, The violet vestments certainly help us remember uh, that it's it's more of a time of sorrow, but also the fact that there's no flowers on the altar, and then there's no Gloria in the Mass, so no one's singing the Gloria, um, which is is more a, a song of jubilation. Um, and the the strict, the very strict removal of the word Alleluia, that actually starts with the Septuagesima season. The the priest um, in, the, in the first Vespers of Septuagesima Sunday, he says Alleluia two times, and then he's, he's not allowed to say it in any liturgical function for um, the whole of, of that time leading up to Easter. So that's why in the, in the Mass, you will find that oh, wow. uh, there are no more Alleluias. I mean, you can even, even if he's saying a Mass of a saint, um, there will not be an Alleluia. So um, after the gradual, instead of having that Alleluia versicle, the priest will say the tract. Um, so the tract is excerpt from the Psalms or, or, or another prayer which does not have the word Alleluia in it. Um, and there's there's other things as well. I mean, in the office, the priest doesn't say the Te Deum, this this hymn of, of triumph. There's no organ, and there's there's a special prayer after the post communion in the masses of Lent. So there's a different mass for every single day of Lent, and that prayer it asks it starts off by asking the people to lower their heads to humble themselves. So they're supposed to bow down their heads. And um, the priest says his prayer over the people. And that, that as well helps us really feel like we're in a penitential season. And when we look back at the history of the church and when the time in times of Christendom, when the church played a much more active role in the uh, temporal lives of the faithful, there were other restrictions as well. Uh, there were restrictions against hunting and warfare. Am I getting that correct, Father? Yeah, that, that's correct. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it sounds 
kind of funny to to us today, but it's like <laughs> right. Okay, so um, no war during during Lenten time. <laughs> <you know? laughs> We're going to call a truce, and then um, when Easter comes, we'll you know we'll start fighting again. But um, yeah, so so there was a, a strict ban on on warring between. It's not just between nations. We just think of war in, in terms of big nations today. But sure. I think there were a lot of petty squabbles so that was that was forbidden and then sports you you wouldn't go hunting so they didn't they didn't have uh big stadiums and so on but but they hunting was the big sport and they would just say no we're we're, we're not going to engage in 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 that sort of thing and i i think you know traditional catholics as traditional catholics we also try to observe that we try to be a little bit more circumspect and recollected during lent and so we try not to have parties and and things like that and i think that's that's a good thing to do to fulfill that that proper spirit for the time of Lent, penitential season. That's interesting. And when we talk about the season of Lent, Father, it, it's not just about the, the Sunday. During the periods of Pentecost or time after Epiphany or something like that, uh, when we talk about the those kinds of periods, those are really mostly reflected in the Gospels and the Mass of a Sunday. But during Lent, the rest of the calendar changes as well. If you look at the Angelus Press calendar, for instance, you'll find that there are not a lot of feast days of the saints during the period of Lent. Um, you have instead these ferial days that are sprinkled all throughout. Almost every single day is a ferial day. And I mean, I, I remember when I was in first grade going up to the calendar after morning prayers, uh, one of us kids would say the saint of the day and then we'd all, all say pray for us. And I said, Saint Ferial. Mom said, no, no, there's not a Saint Ferial. Uh, but I was kind of an idiot kid, so... <laughs> He's got a lot of these. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, th- this is, a, again, a, uh, an historical question. And in fact, St. Pius X is concerned in, in this question. So before St. Pius X, the feast days that occurred during Lent were, were given precedence over the masses of Lent. So there is a separate mass for every single day of Lent, all 40 days of Lent, and they're of a third class. So what's called a third class ferial. So uh, you have the temporal cycle and the sanctoral cycle. So the temporal cycle are just liturgical events that correspond to the life of our Lord throughout the year, and those are the ferial days. Um, and then you have the sanctoral cycle are the various feasts of the saints. So during Lent and also Advent, the ferial days, so the masses that correspond to the temporal cycle, they are of a third class. And during Advent, if there's also a third class saints day on that day, the mass of the saint will be said. So so the mass of the saint takes precedence over the ferial mass. But in Lent, that's the opposite is true. So what St. Pius X did is he said, look, if there is a third-class saint on a day during Lent, I decree that the Mass of, of Lent will be said and take precedence over the Mass of that saint. So if you got St. Thomas Aquinas on March the 7th, or you got St. Benedict on March the 21st, um, then the they, they will only get commemorated and the priests will be mandated to say the Mass of Lent. And the reason why he wanted to do that is, is he didn't want the saints' feast days to detract from that Lenten spirit. Um, he wanted the, the faithful to be conscious that they were um, remaining in the, in the season of Lent and not always be sort of making exceptions to the season of Lent by these, these feast days that, that were coming up. Yeah, I, I have a brother named Tom and his patron saint is St. Thomas Aquinas and his feast day always is in the middle of Lent. So 
he was always frustrated when we were growing up because uh, for his feast day, he didn't get to have one of the little, you know, little treats or desserts after dinner like the rest yeah. of us did. So Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was kind of nice to be at St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary in Winona where um, because it, that, he was our patron, we had a first class feast. And oh, the sure. fact that it was, it was uh, occurring during Lent every year gave us a bit of a relief there. Hey, there you go. Well, th- that's our overview of Lent. Uh, wanted to turn a little bit to today, Ash Wednesday, and talk a little bit about the symbolism and the history of this uh, Feast of Ash Wednesday. Is that right to say feast? No, it's it's not really oh, a no? feast. Um, it's okay. It's got it. More like a, it's a ferial. Yeah. So just Ash Wednesday then, no feast stuff. When the faithful receive the cross on their forehead of ash uh, during this uh, during the ceremony today, Father. I assume that comes from the old practice, the centuries-old practice of uh, public penitents wearing sackcloth and ashes to show their sorrow. Yes, d- definitely, um, because of of the fact that um, God said to Adam that that he is dust and he will return to dust. The ash is the way for us to to symbolize that for, to represent our ultimate end. Um, it, it's it's very humbling for us as human beings to recall the fact that. We are limited. Our life is, is limited on this earth. Um, we, we are definitely not God. And so on Ash Wednesday, because it's a season of penance, we start the season by recalling our mortality, the sprinkling of ashes. We, what, what people did in the past was when they were performing public penance, they would put on sackcloth. And I don't know if, if sackcloth was something you would wrap a dead body in. Perhaps uh, they, they wrapped dead bodies in, in oh. sackcloth back in that time. Um, and then they would sprinkle their head with with ashes. And so, if if you saw somebody in sackcloth with their with ashes covering their head, you would know they were a public penitent. So the the, the church um, obviously we don't wear sackcloth anymore. But on Ash Wednesday, she puts the the cross on the foreheads of the the faithful. But for clerics, um, they're actually still sprinkled on the head. So. Um, they're sprinkled on the spot where he was tonsured. So if you if you ever go to a, a, an Ash Wednesday Mass where there's multiple priests there, you you will see um, that the the ashes get sprinkled on on their head instead of them getting a, um, a cross on their forehead. Okay, and then the day before, uh, looking at yesterday, uh, in the church it's known as Shrove Tuesday. Uh, it's not commonly known that uh, by many people today. Uh, we often refer to it as uh, Fat Tuesday, or sometimes it's called Mardi Gras. Uh, but could you speak a little bit about Shrove Tuesday, maybe where the word comes from and what the history is a little bit there, Father? Well, th- that came from the practice of, of Catholics that they would prepare themselves for Lent by going to confession uh, the day before. So on Fat Tuesday, oh, okay. they would go to confession to purify their soul for this penitential season. And we can speak of people getting shriven when they get absolved. So a priest shrives a soul when he absolves the soul. That's why they would call it Shrove Tuesday, just to indicate that people would typically go to confession on that day. And so in, in our culture, we, we know, uh, you know, Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras as this, uh, as this day of celebration. It's, it's a big party day, right? And, and, you know, Mardi Gras especially has, you know, all this immorality tied to it as well. And I'm not really referring to that, but does the church encourage this feasting or this celebration before this day of penance or before this period of penance? Is that something that the church has always uh, given approval towards? You know, I, I think it's something that, that can be done. There's a, there's a, a little bit of, of 
uh, indulgence the day before you you start your fasting, but it just got out of hand, you know, o- over time, and it was just an excuse for people to get very decadent and and very unfortunately be very offensive to God right before they they were supposed to be doing penance. So they, you know, t- today they they forget about the actual period of Lent. They don't do the penance. They just do all this decadent feasting. Um, and so for that reason, St. Philip Neri, he started the practice of the 40 hours devotion in Rome, um, where for 40 hours, uh, again, that, that, that magic number 40, 40 hours before the beginning of Lent, people would go and endure the Blessed Sacrament and, and do penance for all the horrors that were going on before Lent. I mean, just to make up for the sins being committed during the festival right before Lent. I didn't know that that's where the 40 hours came from. That's very interesting. So yeah, these, these celebrate, I was referring earlier to the celebrations being kind of a modern thing, I guess. It's not as modern as I thought it was if St. Philip Neri was the one who uh, instituted this practice anyway. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you as always, Father, for coming on and joining us for the SSPX podcast. We appreciate it. Looking forward to continuing this conversation with you as we get a little bit deeper into Lent. So we'll have uh, more of a, understanding about Passion Week and Holy Week, and that'll be coming up a little bit later. So thank you again, Father. And we'll be speaking with Father Robinson here in another couple weeks. We'll have him back on for another episode of Questions with Father. That will be here in two weeks' time. Next week, we'll be speaking with uh, Father Patrick Rutledge. He's the prior of Assumption Chapel in St. Mary's, Kansas. We'll be speaking with him about the New Immaculata Project. The New Immaculata is going to be the largest church ever constructed by the SSPX in the world. And that will be going up in the Kansas Prairie. So Please join us for a very interesting conversation we'll be having with him on that, talking about the groundbreaking, how much it costs, what's needed, how they settled on the plan, and some interesting features about the design and the plan uh, that may not be immediately apparent if you go on their website and take a look at it. So we'll be chatting with Father Rutledge about that next week. Then in three weeks' time, we will be speaking with Mother Mary Joseph of the Franciscan Sisters of Christ the King. So plenty coming up here on the SSPX podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do that. Just go to your favorite podcast app or program, type in SSPX. It should pop up. And if it doesn't, drop us a note, let us know, and we'll work on fixing that, make sure it's available on every podcast program that you need. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who have supported and who are continual supporters of us. We very much appreciate it. And until next week, God bless you.